can change those patterns to be more positive and more uplifting and more empowering, then we're getting the, the best out of our physical bodies. We're able to reach our potential in a much easier way. And all we're doing is paying attention to our thoughts and steering them in a way that that make it easier for us. So it can seem very daunting, but if you think of it as just paying attention to your thoughts and reshaping it so that it's more self-supporting. Welcome to Power Up Your Performance, where we talk about how you can learn to think, feel, perform, and live like a champion. Hey everyone, welcome to the show. I'm Coach Kim Peek, and that voice you just heard is Dina Castor, 2004 Olympic marathon bronze medalist and the American record holder in the marathon. I am excited to share the interview I did with Dina, but before we jump into this interview, I wanted to give you a little bit more background. In 2018, she released her book, Let Your Mind Run, a memoir of thinking my way to victory. This book is a page turner. As she tells stories from her lifetime of running, she also incorporates lessons about optimism and how she used mindset to transform her running and her life. On her website, she says, I attribute positivity for the success of my long career as a distance runner. Training and racing take enormous physical effort, but the most rigorous and profound effects come from mental training. In order to get the best out of yourself physically, you must be peaking mentally also. Our thoughts become our actions, and those acts create our habits. It is critical to shape your thinking in a way that serves as opposed to hinders your goal. Are you seeing the parallels here? If you've been listening to the podcast for any time at all, you can see that Dina's focus on optimism and mindset is in perfect alignment with what we're always talking about right here on this podcast. If you don't already have her book, you need to go pick up a copy just as soon as you're done listening to this episode. Training your mind to be more optimistic really is one of the best things you can do for your running, your career, your marriage, anywhere where you want to be more successful or gain a competitive edge. I will link to Dina's book, her website, and her social media links in the show notes. Now, enjoy this interview with Olympian Dina Castor. Welcome to the podcast, Dina. I'm so excited to have you here today. Thank you. Likewise. <laughs> so I'm going to start with just an easy question. Great. What do you do for fun when you are not running and speaking and writing books? Uh, well, luckily running's fun for me. So, <laughs> um, so I, I do that. Um, and I think that's why my career has been so long because I find so much joy in, in pursuing that, that passion. But I love to cook and read. I have two um, rescue dogs, two mastiffs, so I love uh, spending time with them and um, being in the kitchen with my with my family, cooking up some some good nurturing food, and then spending hours around the table eating it is um, is how I like to spend my time. That's awesome. So you started out running really young, and you had a lot of natural talent. And then when you got to college at University of Arkansas something kind of changed for you. Yeah. Can you, can you talk I, about just what was different about the kind of pressure you were putting on yourself? 
Yeah, and it was it was all it was all my perspective, which was off at the time. I um, had a lot of success as a youth runner, and when I got to college, it became an obligation to use it. And I think it's because I was on a scholarship, and I felt that pressure that they were paying for my education for me to perform at my best for for them as a as a lady Razorback, and so. Um, so I think that um, that really weighed heavily on me and I took um, and it it came out in, in tension and tight muscles and cycle of injury and um, and uh, really I was the same runner I was before and the same runner I was about to become as a professional um, but it, it was my perspective was was off my perspective wasn't allowing me to to flourish and grow but was actually stifling intense and so um, it didn't take but a change of mindset really immediately um, to, to feel the, the difference in performance from, from college to a professional athlete. So you had a coach that influenced you at the end of your college career, right? And he suggested or somehow turned you on to Joe V. Hill. Can you tell yeah. that story? Yeah. Um, coach Donnelly was the assistant coach at the University of Arkansas. And I feel fortunate to, from the very beginning of my running days, to have wonderful coaches. Um, even in college with, with Lance Harder, who's still coaching there, just a fantastic coach and um, was there to bring out the best in everyone. I was just my own worst enemy, unfortunately. And, um, and realizing that when Mylon Donnelly said, are you sure you're finished? And I was sure of it. If I, if I couldn't become a national champion in college, what, what business did I have going and pursuing a professional career? Um, if it was going to take more mileage and faster speed, um, how could my body hold up to that? But, um, but he really just gave me an inkling of belief and um, that I might have more, more in me, more to learn and um, and then it was my five minute phone conversation with Coach V Hill in Colorado um, that really just cracked me wide open to realize, man, I've been in this sport for so many years and I know nothing about it. It was um, really eye opening to just um, hear the way he spoke and he was speaking in physiological terms that I'd never even heard of before and um, and promoted altitude for endurance athletes. And I just realized that if I'm gonna, if I'm gonna, if I'm gonna walk away from this sport on my own terms, I need to give it one more shot. And so I did that. I I went and I I focused and opened myself up to learning. I feel like I went to him a clean slate, just starving for knowledge. And um, and really um, my education in the sport started then. And it seemed like in your book that just from even that very first conversation that you had with him, it really seemed to at least turn change your mindset and help you ease that pressure you're putting on yourself. Would you say that? Absolutely, absolutely. And and realizing that that it's all a perspective. When he learned about my mileage, he said, "Well, that's not a lot." And I was like, "Really? Then why is my body breaking down?" And um, and he talked about an athlete's lifestyle and how it's not just about showing up for practice for two hours in the in the day. It's how you live your entire day that adds up to to either supporting or diminishing your efforts as an athlete. And I just it was was so eye opening to me, and it made me so excited to to finally. Um, tap in and see what my potential was. It was definitely worth the worth the the effort to see how how far I can push myself and how far I could go, even if it meant 
failing again and or feeling like I was failing still, it was at least on my own terms and I gave it a shot and now I can, now I can become the baker I want to be. <laughs> <laughs> I love that part too. I love that part of the story. Yeah. <laughs> so when it comes to mindset, it was not just this switch that flipped on and, oh, all of a sudden I have this mastered. It was kind of something gradual that you learned over a, the course of many years, right? Absolutely. What, what would somebody kind of explain what that evolution was like for you? I mean, first, first that evolution started with, with understanding that it's not just the traits we're born with, it's the traits we choose to express. And so that was a choice in and of itself was to, it's either like a fixed mindset or a growth mindset. And mm-hmm. And after talking to Coach Vigil, I immediately got into this this growth mindset, um, just wanting to learn and expand and absorb every everything he taught, and um, ready to take on the challenge of his very tedious work. But realizing from the first week out there, the enthusiasm and excitement played a huge role in how I was adapting at altitude. It allowed me to adapt better. It was. Um, seeing how a, um, a, a voice in my head of I'm so tired or I hate this hill um, had me defeated before I even got into the workout or even approached the incline to the hill. And if I changed that little, that little voice, if it went from I hate hills to, well, this hill's going to make me stronger. Each time I try to climb this baby, I'm going to get stronger. Um, that it, it dramatically, that, that kind of talk dramatically changed the outcome of that little moment. And then I thought, my gosh, if I can change these little moments back to back to back, that is going to be a significant um, um, experience difference. And so it became a game to me. It became a paying attention to everything happening around me and, uh, and mostly to my thoughts and, and to see how I could switch that thought to be more of an advocate and a cheerleader as opposed to, um, as opposed to my critic, because I think it's very easy for us to be self-critical, um, and we are our best critics, but to be our best cheerleaders and our greatest advocates, I think is the most important thing. And if, um, and we have control over that, that our minds are malleable and our brains are just patterns of, of thought processes. So if we can change those patterns to be more positive and more uplifting and more empowering, then we're getting the, the best out of our physical bodies. We're able to reach our potential in a much easier way. And all we're doing is paying attention to our thoughts and steering them in a way that, that make it easier for us. So um, it can seem very daunting, but if you think of it as just paying attention to your thoughts and reshaping it so that it's, um, it's more self-supporting, um, it becomes much more digestible. And this is something that you don't just do in your running. You do this in your everything about your life, right? Yeah. So it started in running because that was my pursuit. I wanted mm-hmm. to be faster and more enduring and stronger. And so I was making these changes, but I was um, for my running. But then I realized that it was having a very profound effect on my daily life as well from a person that wasn't leaving me a tip at the cafe as I waited on their needy selves Um that it, it was it was playing out throughout my day and making my days more beautiful and more compassionate and understanding. And then I added gratitude lists to the mix and my world exploded in like, my gosh, I'm it made me realize that 
that the world is happening around us. And for some reason, um, whether it's an instinct um, uh, to protect ourselves, that we take in a lot of negativity that happens around us, um, or if it's a habit that that we form, I don't know if it's from our ancestors or our own habits, but we tend to take in a lot of the negative. And if we can pause for a second and appreciate all the good and beauty and opportunity that's happening simultaneously, then the negativity tends to recede into the background. And it feels like you're living a pretty abundant life, even though I was living in Alamosa and living very simply. So do you ever have people who are just like, oh, that just sounds kind of out there. I don't believe in all that positive stuff. Or do they just kind of accept it and believe it once they see how it has affected your life? No, there's there's definitely um, people who are either intimidated by it or think that their their angst and their anger is their edge, and um, and science proves that all all wrong. That when our body is in a place of of gratitude and optimism and positivity, and that our our um, we are releasing the the right endorphins and and hormones in our bodies to thrive. Whereas if we're we're angry or frustrated, um, that our body's releasing cortisol, a stress hormone, and that ends up making us tense and uptight. And and trying to perform that way is not going to be good either physically or mentally. If you're going into a boardroom to deliver a to deliver um, a a speech that if you have a free flowing body, if oxygen's getting to your brain and the right endorphins are getting to your brain and your muscle, um, your muscles are relaxed and pliable, you're going to get the best out of yourself, no matter what you're demanding of your, of your body or your mind. So, so working on that is, is always worth it. I love that. So it would, what would you go back and tell your high school self now that you've experienced the benefits of this, what would you go back and tell your high school self who was just getting by on the sheer talent. Yeah, I think I just I just had a total misunderstanding and I'm so self-conscious now when I'm talking to my daughter, I don't tell her that she's this might sound cruel. I don't tell her that she's great at anything. I just say, gosh, that was a wonderful effort. My gosh, you did so good trying at this today or I loved your focus. Um, so that it's so that it's an action and not something like her freckles that she was that she inherited from me. Um, <laughs> I want her to know that it's that it's effort based. And so I would go back and tell myself that same thing. I I would tell myself, don't listen to anybody that says you're talented. You've worked hard for 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 the privilege of this first place finish, and you have to continue working hard. It happens in practice, and um, because I would line up to the to the starting line just every single weekend, just thinking, my gosh, I hope my talent holds out today. You know, I hope it holds out for one more race. I didn't believe I had any, any driving force in it whatsoever. So it was um, a very, um, although when people told me I was talented growing up, it was meant to be a compliment, but Mm -hmm. being my greatest curse as I was growing up. Yeah. So I interviewed Nick Simmons a couple weeks ago and I had him give us some tips for high school runners because I feel like high school runners are so busy following everybody else's instructions and they're not really that in control of their own training. What advice would you have for high school runners who just want to excel and find their competitive edge? 
Yeah, I would I would tell a high school student to to identify what why they enjoy the sport. Identify what get, what makes them excited. For me it was always the exploration. I loved getting out on the trails. That's why I loved cross country. So even in track season, when it's more monotonous track work to make sure you're getting on the trails, your coach understands that you love getting on the trails and running with your teammates there. So just identifying what you, what you enjoy and making sure you're, you're implementing it um, weekly or monthly so that you can do that. Sometimes it's the pasta parties. Gosh, we get together for the pasta parties and, and we really get a focus on what our goal is for tomorrow's race or how we're going to help each other when we're sitting while we're sitting around eating that pasta. So that moment becomes very important. So I would just say identify what that joy is and, and make sure you're keeping, it, um, you're keeping it implemented in your routine. I love that too. And I, and I just love the focus on making sure that you're finding the joy because no matter what it is that you're doing in life, I think you can keep going for much longer if it's something you enjoy. You can put up with all the ups and downs. Absolutely. And I was just going to mention that if you, if you make sure that you're, that you're giving yourself the joy in the work, then the, the harder moments aren't so debilitating. And because every job and every obligation, every um, passion or hobby has an aspect of it that's less enjoyable, whether it's the bookkeeping or the, <laughs> or the, the getting on the track to, for speed work, or for me, it was my long runs that were always so taxing. Um, if, you can, if you can find a way to make those moments more enjoyable or in those moments, focus on the, that, the fact that tomorrow you're going to be injected with some joy because you're, because you're um, doing what you love again, um, to just make sure that that's in balance because everything has has a hard has a hard sell in it. Um, otherwise, everybody would be doing it. Right now, you have had a long career, and you've been running most of your life. What? And I think this is something that's just a question that pops up a lot for masters runners. What have you done, or what do you can attribute to your ability to have been able to stay running for so long and at a very competitive level? Yes, I would. So I've been running for 35 years. And I think the reason why I still do it today and still enjoy it is that I was really, um, I was really adamant about not sacrificing anything along the way. And so I, um, I make choices and, uh, and I don't make sacrifices. If I choose to, to skip out early at a friend's birthday party because I've got a really important workout the next day. It's a choice because that workout is important to reaching my goal as opposed to saying, God, you know, I always have to leave early. I always have to leave the parties early. And and then you end up being resentful and you count down the days to retirement so that you can do all the things that you, that you wanted to do. So I don't feel like I, I missed out on anything. And then even today, um, uh, having so many hats, wanting to be a, a gold medal mom and, a, and a, a gold medal cook in the kitchen feeding my family and a, and a gold medal um, dog raiser and, um, and an ambassador to the community and to continue going to races that I could, I could look at my schedule and get a little overwhelmed and, and freaked out by it. 
Or I can look at it and say, oh my God, my schedule is packed with all these things that I truly love to do. And, um, and so I, I, I try to really, again, after all these years, continue steering myself to the perspective that's going to help me. If my schedule's overwhelming, let's cross something off of it. Well, I don't want to cross anything off of it. I love everything. Okay, then keep it. So it's, um, it's just talking yourself through it sometimes to get to a point where do I need to take some things off my plate or is this all good stuff? And then what could be stressful ends up being um, more of a use stress, a stress in a, in a good way because I'm, I'm overwhelmed with all the things that I love to do and then it makes me feel really privileged. <laughs> Yeah, it sounds like a lot of it is just reframing Absolutely. the situation and getting the perspective. Oh, I do enjoy this, so let's remember to look at it from that perspective. I'm getting to do all these amazing things. Absolutely, and that's all it is. And if and if we look back at the day or a week or a month or our year or our entire lives, all we all we have is the perspective of that life. So if we have the ability to shape it, let's shape it so that when we're laying down on that final night of our life, we're like, yeah, I did a good job. <laughs> oh, I love yeah. that. Now, from the perspective of a master's runner, you mentioned even in, in college, your body breaking down. What do you do or what should other women who want to continue running, what should they do to keep their bodies from breaking down as, as we age and want to run? Yep. I think there's a few things. Joy is a big part of it, as I mentioned, because you have the, the right hormones running through your body that allow you to stay limber and flexible, both physically and emotionally. Um, so joy is a big one. Um, and then a lot of us, we add to our schedules all the time. We want to, we, 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 we don't have more hours in our day, but we want to do more mileage or we want to, 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 run, um, to run faster. And if you're going to expect and demand more out of your body, you also have to balance it out with rest. So I, another key thing is, is getting adequate sleep. It's, um, even if you're stealing an, an extra half hour by going to bed a half hour earlier or sleeping in a half hour later, whatever you need to do to get in that extra sleep. And then after that, that schedule seems doable. Try to steal another half hour, you know, so that you're you're getting in good rest. I really believe um, that we are underrested as a society. So if you can sleep more, that's when your body um, releases all the hormones it needs to repair and build brain your brain and your body stronger um, and more resilient um, from the day before. So it's important to get that sleep in. And then nutrition, making sure you're eating an abundance of really high quality foods. And then then your body can handle all the all the indulgences you want. Also, if you for me, I tend to like to pour another glass of wine or um, or have a nice a nice baked good. I tend to focus on quality even in that regard. That if I want something um, sweet after dinner, I want it to be something homemade or from the local bakery here that I know is made with some love and not by um, a factory machines in a factory and then sealed up and sent to me. Um, so I like I like quality even in that regard um, because I deserve it is what I tell myself. Um, I'm I'm deserving of high quality food and I'm deserving of getting into bed earlier and I'm deserving of the miles I put in. So just making sure on a, on a subconscious level also that you're, that you're um, living the life of your dreams and maybe not so much adding to your plate all the time, but sometimes 
that, that the ticket to a, to a faster 5K is going to be getting into bed earlier. That is so true. I love that you basically just talked about having a glass of wine and having a dessert. It sounds like you do not deprive yourself. And if there's something that you want, you have it, but you just make sure that it's actually something really good and not just, oh, there's that piece of junk cake over there, but I'm going to have a really good piece of cake. Yes. And then, and then it's like the emotional eating part of it where you're like having a hard day and you're like, God, that whole cake looks really good. actually. <laughs> but you say, you know what, you, you have had a hard day. So let's slice off a piece and sit down and, and eat it. And um, so even emotional eating, I feel like could, could help in, in, in times, but it's acknowledging it and, and having that perspective that you're having it because by gosh, it's been a long day and I'm going to sit down and this right here is for me. This is my moment. I love that. So coming at rest from a different angle, I know there's, you know, there's the Disney race where, you know, you run the, was the goofy or the dopey where there's all those back-to-back races. And I know I live in Kansas city and it's really becoming a big thing where they'll do a, a series of maybe three half marathons within a couple of weeks or we have this year Kansas City Marathon is partnering with Des Moines Marathon and doing an I-35 thing so you can run back-to-back marathons in the same weekend. Wow. And I think that those are fun and it's an interesting challenge, but I'm always concerned about people not getting rest and people pushing their bodies beyond a certain point. Um, I don't really know what I'm exactly trying yeah, to ask, but what's the guideline there? What's the smart way to do these things if you're going to do it? Yeah. I mean, I love to see the enthusiasm of people, of people wanting to to cluster races or races teaming up together to to help promote each other Mm -hmm. and, and, and really encourage participation because it seems like we just keep getting more extreme and more extreme into Mm -hmm. the ultra marathon distances and clustering these races, seven, seven marathons and seven continents in seven days. I mean, you could, we could just go, go crazy. And so I don't, I don't think they're the healthiest model. If we, if we think of what our grandmothers used to tell us, everything in moderation, um, it doesn't necessarily follow our grandma's rule of thumb. But I think if it gets you excited about the sport, do it, but please put in the rest in between. I mean, people that have heavy jobs in between the races that they're doing, just focus on rest and recovery and do it, but don't do it often. (laughs) You can do these, you could, you could plug in these, these um, goofy challenges and, um, and the clustering of, of lengthy races. But, um, but if you can get the the rest in, in between and certainly not do them um, often within a calendar year, then, then I would encourage it. So let's say you have somebody who is a master's runner who really wants to excel what kind of a cycle would you recommend for what's the maximum number of races a year and how much rest should, because I know professional athletes take a complete, typically take a complete rest break, but recreational athletes don't really like to do that. So what would you say is a good training cycle for somebody that is a master's runner who wants to excel? Yeah, people are, it's so hard for people to take a month off of running because they feel like they, they're going to have to start over. But when your body has that time to rest and super compensate, I think people would be surprised how strong they are. I mean, they still have to gain fitness, um, but I think they'd be surprised how strong they are and what a, what a strong foundation they have to work from when they start training again. Um, as I started aging as a, as a runner and 
um, and taking on more responsibilities, I ended up lowering my mileage um, considerably, but staying focused on quality. And so I think that that's important. I I promote um, quality miles and quality rest and quality nutrition and quality relationships because I think if you have that whole package that it's all self-supporting. And um, and so uh, I would focus on on picking out two quality races to, to train for for the year and make that your focus and make sure your training is focused on that that distance and the terrain you're going to be running on. Um, whether it's trail or road or track and, um, and, and really, really make it, really make it your focus so that every day you're going out with the intention of building your energy system to meet your goal and, and do that twice a year, peak twice a year. um, It's, it's a, it's a um, physiological, physiologically a good demand for your body to peak twice within a calendar year. So if you can give yourself time to build up, so then you're not rushing and anxious and then, and then training on an anxious body, which could induce an injury. So it's just getting in a, a comfortable, doable cycle so that you can get in the rest and recovery, but also the really good, hard quality work. I love hearing people like you say that (laughs) because I just think there's so much pressure to race, race, race all the time. And then when you're, maybe if you're a spring and a fall marathoner, then it's like, let's jam as many 5Ks into the summer as we can. And people don't get enough rest and they get injured and then they just don't understand what's causing all the injuries. Right. And you, I mean, I think people are also looking for bragging rights. I remember my mom calling me from Boston one day saying, I was just talking to this lady and, and I was telling her, she was talking about her son who just qualified for the Boston marathon. And, and then she of course said, do you know who my daughter is? And, and I told them who you were and um, that you were an Olympic. I told them that you were an Olympic medalist and they said, well, has she run Boston? And my mom was like, no, she actually, at that time, she has, actually has, it infuriated my mom that qualifying for Boston was more important than an Olympic medal. And I said, it's That's not, crazy. none of it's more important. As long as you're proud of your accomplishments and you're, and you're doing something that makes you proud, whether that's, whether that's running, um, uh, a marathon every month for for a year, or whether that's qualifying for Boston, or whether it's PRing in a 5K, or or raising a certain number for charity, whatever it is, whatever it is that that makes your posture your posture perfect and your and your eyes sparkle, keep pursuing it. But um, but I I just want to emphasize rest in between. <laughs> yeah. What is your favorite memory as? an elite athlete? Oh, wow. I mean, the first thing that pops to mind, but it might be because I was ju- I just said Olympic medal, was celebrating with my family after the Athens Olympics. It was seeing after coming out of drug testing and trying to hail a cab in my skimpy little uniform, <laughs> when nobody was pulling over for me. I can't imagine why. Um, <laughs> This, uh, this scrawny girl in a very uh, small bikini looking outfit trying to hail a cab at uh, close to midnight. Um, and then my agent got in the middle of the street and was trying to stop cars. And we finally, finally someone picked us up and brought us to this restaurant that my family, extended family and friends were all dining. There was probably close to 20 20, 25 of us at the, at the restaurant. And I got a standing ovation when I walked in. 
And the owner gave me a bouquet of flowers. It was just such a wonderful moment to be able to share with them. And I think that's what all my memories are. For writing my book, I had to constantly go to um, journals and training logs to figure out my times and places at these at these races. But I could tell you what I ate the night before, what restaurant my family dined, and um, and that was such a fond fond memory. That sounds like the people that you spend your time with and that you that have been part of your journey are very important to you. Yeah, everything. I mean, I think our sport looks so individual, but um, but I've relied on my team for years, my family being so supportive um, since I was 11. My sister traveling the, traveling the world and being schlepped to track meets every weekend. Um, for her to be a fan of me is amazing because it was um, quite a boring childhood going to track meets all the time. <laughs> um, and for her to be my biggest fan means a lot. And my my agent just almost, gosh, 20, 22 years with the same manager. So I love my people. Yeah, They make well, it your husband, that's easy for sure. Yeah. Is your husband still your coach? Uh, he is. Yes, he sure so, is. So yeah. what is it like to have your husband as your coach? I'm not sure it would have worked at the height of my career. Um, when, um, when I was, um, before I was a master, he's been an amazing, amazing coach for me as a master's athlete, because he's, he's like, he, he sets my workouts for me and he's flexible with travel. Um, and he knows what's worked for me in the past because he's been by my side the whole time. Um, but I'm not sure I could have taken orders from him, um, at a less mature age. (laughs) Now I can, now I feel I'm okay to take orders from him. Um, but when, when, um, when I was younger and we were traveling the world together, he was just always so supportive. He was, if my coach wasn't there, he was holding the stopwatch for me, riding the bike next to me, um, giving me fluids on long runs. If um, uh, he always traveled with a massage table so he could stretch me out before practice and races and massage me after. So he's been wow. hands-on and um, really a, um, a huge part of, of those successful years. And did I see on your website that you guys have something coming up where people can come, I think in August, a retreat with you? Um, yeah. So my, um, I, I hosted a retreat before my book came out, hosted a retreat. And now I'm so <laughs> I'm traveling and so busy. But we do do something, um, a VIP camp um, before the Mammoth Half Marathon. So we have a mile coming up, of um, half marathon coming up in June, the Mammoth Half a mile race on the 4th of July, and then a turkey trot over Thanksgiving. So we have a lot of fun here in the community, um, youth practices in the summer, and um, and our membership practices on Tuesday mornings, and then our professional team meeting every morning. So we stay pretty, pretty busy in the community here in Mammoth Lakes. And so people who live in that area, if they're just an avid recreational runner, they can come join the track club? Yeah, and even people who want to start running, we've had people um, join the club. They were intimidated at first, but joined the club and walked and jogged the workouts. And some of those athletes who began that way are now um, are um, are placing in their age group in triathlons. It's just amazing to see how when you are a part of a supportive community of of, of people who want you to empower yourself to, to reach your potential, how people really flourish under those circumstances. Yeah, that's awesome. 
So I have yeah. one more question I want to ask you, but before I get to that question, is there anything else that I didn't ask you that you wanted to make sure that you talked about? I don't think so. Yeah. Okay. So Power Up Your Performance, the name of the podcast, is all about helping people learn how to live, feel, and perform like champions. What are three traits that you think all champions possess? Oh, um, I think the number one trait is resilience um, because um, failing is inevitable um, along, along the road, but, um, but, but people who are successful are resilient under, under, under those failures and, and use it as a springboard. Um, so resilience, I think, is probably the, the number one trait of success. Um, I would also say grit. Um, just being really, um, just putting your nose down and getting to the grindstone and um, accepting that it might get uncomfortable, whether it's physically or mentally. Um, so, so having a lot of grit. And then I would say trust. Um, trusting, trusting in your pursuit um, and, the, and the process and your purpose and then trusting those, those around you. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing all of your wisdom. It's been an honor to talk to you. It was really fun. Thanks for having me. Thank you for taking time out of your day to listen. I'm Coach Kim Peek of Power of Run, and you can find me at www.crushingmygoals.com or on all social media as at sign power of run. If you liked this episode, be sure to give the podcast some love over on iTunes and remember to subscribe. As a new podcast, your reviews and stars and subscribes will help me grow the audience so that I can share my love of health and fitness and bring more experts to the show. Power up your week and I will catch you next Tuesday.